we get so caught up in what someone should look like or what a religious person might sound like or I mean, what someone with curly hair acts like or what a black person should do or what a white person, we get so caught up in these stereotypes and it's important that we break those stereotypes down. Hurdlers, Emily Abadi bringing you another installment of Hurdle, a wellness focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about everything from their big wins to how they've gotten through some of life's toughest moments. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. This week on Hurdle, I am excited to bring you five back-to-back episodes highlighting Hurdle guests of color. I want to amplify and reshare their stories and my commitment to being an ally to the Black community. And first up is one of my all-time favorites with Ali Love. She is a Peloton instructor, founder of Love Squad, and we'll get into what that is in today's episode, as well as a total boss. Lately, I have just so, 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 so much appreciated Allie's perspective and positivity and openness with her community. And you can check her out over on Instagram. Her handle is at Allie Miss Love. That's A-L-L-Y-M-I-S-S-L-O-V-E what you need to know about Allie. She is a do-it-all kind of woman. In today's episode, she tells me all about the hurdle moment which framed her I can mindset, a horrifying car accident at age nine which landed her in critical condition with a broken femur. We talk about how she came back from the unthinkable, rising up as a dancer and making her mark on New York City. She tells me about how she discovered her voice with the help of hosting classes, the three books that she read to help guide her in her career, and the unexpected text message that landed her in the saddle at Peloton. If you are looking for a little motivation to go after your passions, seriously, look no further. Allie is a ball of energy and she just wants to empower you to be everything you dream of being and more. Allie also wanted me to pass along that she is looking to fill two internship spots. They are unpaid, an e-com intern and a social intern. She's hoping to mentor young women. If this sounds like something that appeals to you, definitely reach out by emailing hi at lovesquad.com with the subject line intern. Before we get into the swing of things, I'm taking a moment to give a shout out to my sponsors. And I want to note, I am offering free ad reads to black owned businesses over the next few weeks. So please, if you are listening and you have a company that I should know about, I am all ears. Or if you have a friend that has a company that I should know about, or you just love a certain company, whatever it is, I want to hear about it. First up, getting a little risque here with Lisette Lingerie. A traditional lingerie brand based in Brooklyn, New York, Lisette's mission is to create depth in your everyday, challenge the norm, and give you the power to feel and look good. Lisette strives for women to really see themselves when they come to their platforms. The founder, Chiara, emailed me and told me that she was fed up with the industry construct that lingerie was only to be sexy and for special occasions. And that was the driving force behind creating her brand. Head on over to Lisette.shop. Again, that's Lisette.shop, L-A-S-E-T-T-E. Shop and grab yourself something fun today. Today's episode is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a greens powder with 75 whole food sourced ingredients and the antioxidant equivalent of 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. You want to talk about balance? Sure. Some nights, without a doubt, end with a few spoonfuls from the pint of ice cream in my freezer. But without a doubt, the next day is kickstarting with another serving of Athletic Greens. 
complete with prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, superfoods. Athletic Greens is a part of my routine no matter what, whether I'm mid-marathon training cycle or just moseying my way around my small apartment. They are offering her to listeners an awesome deal. It is 20 travel packs, a $79 value, absolutely free with your first purchase. Just head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to grab yours today. No code necessary. You know, I do want to say one other thing. I have been having more convos than ever, which I, I didn't know was really possible with individuals I may not know in real life on social media and over email, and especially when it comes to what's happening in our country. With that said, I will be the first person, the very first person to admit that I don't have all the answers and I'm not perfect. I am learning and listening and I am here again to have open, constructive discussions. And just like I truly believe that Black lives matter. I have no zero tolerance for bullying. So please be kind to one another. I firmly believe that when you inspire individuals to take action rather than shaming them to say or do a certain thing, that is when that action sticks. And that is what my goal is, to inspire lasting change. At Emily Abadi, at Hurdle Podcast, always over email. It's emily at hurdle.us. I'm here for you. We're building, we're moving, we're shaking. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Allie Love. She is a Brooklyn Nets host. She's the founder and CEO of the Love Squad. She's an instructor at Peloton and also an Adidas Global Ambassador. Hey. Hey, what's up? <laughs> I love introducing people with a laundry list of accolades. It's like I always say I'm a part of the slash generation, if not like forging the way for it, where it's like you're this slash this slash this. <laughs> you can be many things in life. I think it's fun, especially in the fitness world, when people start to concept their own ideas and grow businesses and things. I remember in episode two, I interviewed Alex Silverfagan, and she calls herself a fitness entrepreneur. Oh, I love her, by the way. She's <laughs> exceptional. A gem. First of all, tell me, how did you get into hosting? So actually, I started off in New York City modeling. I wanted to be a model, signed with Wilhelmina. After modeling for a couple of years, it was this moment where I was just like, I want to use my voice. I love the fact that we're taking photos and I'm you know, doing these campaigns, but I want to have a point of view. I want to have a POV. And the only way to do that was to maybe do commercials where you're like learning to get familiar with a camera in a different way. And it was from there, I took some classes, some on-camera classes, and they offered hosting as another as an as to go in tandem with these commercial classes and i was just like okay i'm gonna i'm taking these i'm taking all the classes i can take right now and it was my first hosting class that i fell in love and i was like aha this is what i was made to do <laughs> i thought it was me doing like an Oliver lake commercial like your skin's clear or you know like crest like absolutely favorite toothpaste no it was me sitting down discussing topics that were meaningful and learning about people through conversation i love that and is that kind of what triggered you to want to do a lot of the live events with love squad and we can also break into what love squad is as well yeah totally it was one of those things where I enjoy sitting down, having conversation. I think conversation changes people's lives. It gets your thought processes going. It really puts you in a position to reconsider or sometimes to consider where you are in your life. And it's the catalyst to many changes, great changes for most people. And I knew that after doing this hosting, a basic hosting class where I was just like interviewing fun people on the street as our like end of this hosting class challenge. And it was just in this moment that I realized like, hey, you know what, there's a lot to having conversations with people that are doing things in their lives, both personally and professionally. And it's one of those things that when Love Squad was birthed, it was like, hey, in order to get better at hosting, I got to get better at writing. In order to get better at writing, I got to get better at like talking to people about the things that I'm writing about. And so I created Love Squad where we, it's an inclusive collective around encouraging, inspiring and empowering people, specifically around things that affect women through conversation, having those panel discussions, giving tools and 
important tips on how to be effective in your personal and professional. And is Love Squad a collective that's obviously New York City based, but nationwide, international, or how are you activating in that way? So we're young, we're strappy. It's two <laughs> other women that work on the team. Um, and yes, we are based in New York. And since we're a small team and we're still growing, our hands really reach the backs of New Yorkers and those that are coming and visiting. We've done some of it in, in Chicago. We've done some things. Um, ideally, yes, I would love to look think of us as a global brand, but I don't want to get too big for my britches in a sense of um, being honest of where we are and what we do. So yeah, we're mostly in New York and I'd say most of North America would know us a little bit more given the reach of what I have going on personally. I love the term you just use, our hands reach the backs of New Yorkers. Yes, I'm gonna I actually, steal that. you know what? I actually got to give a shout out. That's one of my friends, my friends, Christine. Um, she, it, her Instagrams, I am, I can, I will, I do. And she always says that, like, I, let me put my hands on your back. And I'm like, please do. And while you're there, massage it. Thanks. <laughs> please. <laughs> I love something that you posted a few weeks ago. You put up this post-it that said, put your ego aside and ask for help. No one has ever made it to the top alone. Obviously, we just listed a ton of accolades. You're a busy, busy lady. I feel you very hard. So is that what you do when you get overwhelmed? Do you reach out to people? Do you ask for help? Oh, absolutely. One of the things I do often in my personal life is that I'll take a a feedback session, internal feedback session, take note of like who my friends are, take note of how I'm spending my time outside of work, take note of like how's my boyfriend and I doing, like how am I doing with my family? And I kind of ask for feedback from those people that I am affecting, that I'm building relationships with. So I'll ask my friends, like, how do you feel about this relationship? Like, how, how can I support you better? And then do the exact same thing, I would say biannually, professionally. I'll reach out to my community at Peloton and say, how can I service you better? What am I doing that you love? What am I doing that you don't particularly like. You want to crowdsource information about what you're offering and who you are. And I think that the same thing goes for Love Squad. What do you like at these events? What do you love talking about? Like, And so when asking for help, I have to ask for what I'm doing well so I can continue to do that, but also what I'm not doing well. And I think when I get to a point, when I get that information, I end up reaching out to friends or people. I always say it's low hanging fruit, not to kind of make it sound less than what it is, but reach out to those people that are easy to connect to that I may have not connected with yet and ask them advice. I just sat down with someone I slid in their DMs who I respect and was like, hey, you do a lot of writing. You do a lot of media. How can I get more people to editors to write about me? How can I set myself up? Self up? What are you looking for? And it's one of those things in a feedback session that I got with a friend was like, you need more press, girl. People, you're working hard. People need to know about you. So again, taking that crowdsourcing information that I've crowdsourced that information and putting it to work and reaching out, sliding into those DMs to say, hey, can you help me? Because again, yeah, no one's made it to the top alone. Like, Have you gotten to a point sometimes, because I'm sure when you first started asking for the feedback and sometimes it was negative, it was hard for you to deal with it. So how did you kind of flip the script to be okay with getting that negative feedback and then proactively doing something about it instead of internalizing it and maybe feeling kind of hurt about it? I have to say it is a skill set. Totally. Um, It's not about getting thicker skin. It's just switching the lens to which you receive information. You're going to meet, sit down with someone. Maybe you respect them. Maybe you know them. Maybe you don't. And they may be a little brasher than other people and give it to you straight. But the reality at the end of the day is this person's offering time and insight that you didn't have otherwise. So I look at it as personally, I respect their time enough to say what they're telling me they've thought about. And then number two, oftentimes we hear follow your heart. Most times I'm confused about that. I'm like, my heart's wants Chipotle and donuts. I'll follow it. Um, but it's like knowing the difference of following your heart and getting feedback that may not be applicable to you at that moment. Mm. So di- differentiating and distinguishing feedback that you can apply right now and some things that you may need to just put a pin in for later. And that's when I would say, yes, in that moment, gut check. Um, take inventory of where you are physically, emotionally, and spiritually, where you want your business or your personal life to go, and then make sure that that information is applicable at that time. I also think it's important. So have you ever had like a typical nine to five job? No. <laughs> I needed a moment. I did have a 
college job, a job in college. And it was actually overnight. I worked at CVS. It was one of my first, yeah, homegirl had to make a living and talk about hustles real. I went to Fordham University and I studied, I got a bachelor's in fine arts. And through that, you have to do academics and you have to dance. And so your ballet classes are usually at 7 a.m. in the morning, sometimes 6 a.m. Wow. And you needed to have a job because you needed to be able to do schoolwork to pass your classes. You need to be there for rehearsals for any of the additional dance pieces that you're part of. And of course, your curriculum for dance. So I needed to make money. And the only other time was to cut out a little bit of sleep and work at CVS from 11 to 6 a.m. I know. This is like a 24-hour pharmacy or? Yes. Wow. Okay. It's kind of like your Dwayne Reed, like your, yes. And so I worked the counter there and I would bring my laptop, sit there because obviously it's not as much traffic at night. And I would sit there doing, writing my papers and waiting, like, you know, people would come in and purchase whatever they had to purchase. I ring them up for whatever, how many hours that was. And I, I did that a few days a week because I needed to make cash. So I think that was my closest to a nine to five. And I'm not mad about it. I'm proud of it. <laughs> so I do you, it again. Well, you've been like an entrepreneur for quite some time is like what I'm trying to get at here because a lot of people I think they step into this path of entrepreneurship or going out on their own or being a contractor and they just expect to have a lot of these insights that you are just kind of throwing down right now and what I think is important to drive home is that it's a lot of trial and error oh yes (laughs) (laughs) and it's taken you a lot of time to, to learn and obviously every single day to grow and to be better. It's not like it just happens overnight when you're like, I'm going to go and do all this stuff on my own. And it doesn't work like that. And I think, yes, it's one of, again, quoting a Malcolm Gladwell book, is like 10,000 hours before you become an overnight success, right? You have to put in the work, but the reality of the situation is on those nights that you birth an idea, I would strongly encourage someone to make sure every day you're having a meaningful conversation with someone that you do not know or reading something that you haven't read or that you wouldn't normally read. implementing some advice that you wouldn't normally implement or you wouldn't you would in most cases disregard because you don't feel like it's fitting for you trying something new every day is really important it's not about just I'm going to try a new food or I'm going to do bungee jumping something like that but trying something new in terms of let me read let me pick up the economist and read it even though I my business has nothing to do with the numbers particularly but hey growing a business affects the economy the economy affects a growing business as an entrepreneur. So having some of those elements of like trying something new every day does help your business, does help your idea of potentially creating a business or becoming an entrepreneur because it's scary. Yeah, no, it's it's scary. That's all right. It's like I get a political newsletter in my inbox every day and I only subscribe to the first time because a man that I went to summer camp with when we were like eight is one of the names on the masthead. And I'm like, oh, I'll subscribe to this newsletter. I read it every day on the subway. I know like 20% of what actually any of it means. means yeah. And I'm like, eh, better for it. Like, maybe I'll learn something. Maybe I'll start to understand something that I didn't know before. A politics, man. It's a, it's a tough world out there. <laughs> it's a tough world out there. Okay, so what I'd love to do with you now that we've gotten so many good nuggets of wisdom in the first 10 minutes is to kind of dial it back and hear a little bit more about uh, where you come from and then how you, you know, you mentioned going to Fordham. So how we even got there. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Miami, Florida, 305, all day. All Super day. proud of it. All day. Yes. Um, yeah, I grew up there. Okay. And did you always know that you wanted to go to school and relocate to New York? I always knew that I wanted to become a New Yorker, absolutely. So growing up, before I became a dancer, I got hit by a car at the age of nine years old and broke my left femur and almost died. So I was in a hospital. And I remember like the doctor was like, oh, she'll never really run, telling my parents like she'll walk, but she will never be as an athlete. Like, so make sure you're positioning her for a lane of success that's possible. Um, So almost I came out of the hospital seven days later and the next summer of my mom's best friend put her daughter into this summer camp where they offered dance. And I was like, I want to get into that summer camp. And I was homeschooled for a year. So I was really in need of socializing at the age of 10. Um, And so I went in. This summer camp, they offered dance. I started dancing, nothing too serious. And I remember the teacher was saying, told my mom at one of the performances, like, your daughter is really talented. And my mom was like, absolutely not. She has no rhythm. She's not going to be a dancer. And I was like, actually, mom, I love this thing. I want to do it more. And so when I was younger, every summer after that, I went to a ballet school where they sent a group of girls and young boys to New York to dance, to get a scholarship in one of the schools. So like Alvin Ailey, um, to like Dance Theater of Harlem, um, SAB. So I went to, I went to Dance Theater of Harlem every summer growing up 
up until high school, throughout high school, where I came here. I lived six weeks in New York, or maybe it was eight weeks in New York with a group of girls at my age, and we got to experience New York relatively young, and I fell in love with the city. So regardless of running, after the accident, you must have been moving fine. I was... When my mom said to the dance teacher that she was not a great dancer, I think at that moment she was right. <laughs> I couldn't really move as well as everyone else, but it was one of those things where I was super determined. I fell in love with dance, and I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it wasn't a matter of I of being the best one in the class or anything like that. It was just like I loved it so much that this was it for me. Moving my body, especially when someone said I would, I couldn't and that I wouldn't, at that age, I was pretty resilient. And I mean, my mom instilled it in me because I remember laying in the hospital bed in the hospital and after the accident had just happened, I was losing a lot of blood. I might needed a blood transfusion. And, you know, think about your parents that like your little girl got hit by a car. I like got hit by a car, flew up in the air, landed on the hood of the car and rolled off. And my hip was broken and broke my teeth. My, like It was just one of those things that you don't see at that age or just you don't see in life. And I remember having this conversation, some things never leave you as a kid, as we all know, having this conversation. And my mom told me, there's nothing I can do for you at this moment in life. I wish I could trade places. There's nothing I can do for you at all. However, there's something you can do for yourself. And we're religious people and we believe in God. And she's like, you have to pray to God to save your life. And you have to trust him and believe him that he's going to. And you have to have a, you need to have a will to live. So if you want to live, it's possible, but you are going to need that will and you have to make that decision. Mm -hmm. So giving life or death to a nine-year-old in a bed after being going through something that was devastating was a huge responsibility and undertaking. And it was something that my mom offered me and it's something that I will never forget because decisions like that at nine years old has never left me. When you come to New York, think about where you are in life. You have to make huge decisions and making decisions aren't easy. And making no decision is still making a decision. So at nine years old, I had to make a decision and I never stopped. I never stopped making that decision to choose the life, so, to choose to live. So to choose to live and to then choose to dance. And so Absolutely. you knew from those summers coming up to New York that you wanted to come here as soon as you got the chance for a much longer period of time. Well, as you can tell, I do speak fast. I do a lot of things fast. And so does New York. And I was like, oh, I've found a rhythm that matches my heartbeat. And I was like, this is where I belong. I felt I found my tribe of go-getters, of people that are determined that, yeah, we get down at times, we cry, you know, we eat a lot of donuts, and then we move on. We boss up after that, you know, and I think that that's, that's something that I truly love about this city. Yeah, so you, did you know you wanted to go to Fordham, or how did that? I didn't know that I wanted to go to Fordham, but my mom did the right thing. My parents did the right thing. My mom and dad was like, you have to go to college. You can do dance. You can go be a dancer. You can move to New York. You can do whatever you want, but one request is you have to graduate. And they were right. It gave me a safe haven, a safe bubble to experience a big city in. So, you know, you're protected in college. You have things to do. There's structure instead of moving up here alone and saying, oh, my God, what do I do? How, do I keep auditioning and things like that? A lot of people do that and they do very well. I am very grateful that I did, went the route of Okay, so in school, when you move to the big city, what's different when you move here full time versus when you're coming to like visit? Does it hit you in this big way that you're like, oh my God, this is actually my home? It was the, yeah, it hit me that way, but it was actually the opposite in terms of OMG, I have a shot. Like, this is my shot. I truly felt when I got, I came one way ticket, your family drops you off at the airport, tries not to cry. You're like, mom, stop crying. My dad's the worst. He's the one who cries the worst. Um, <laughs> he cried and he was just like, you can do this. And I think you were built for this. And so one way, one way ticket to New York City came here and I was just like, no one's going to stop me. No one's going to stop me. And I think that no one has. I've had, <laughs> I've had some rough times. Like we all have. And just like being get hit by a car, I would never change that in a million years. But I, one of the things that I always say, like there's something truly beautiful in being basic and going back to the basics. And it's humbling to think of that experience in times that I'm sad and overwhelmed, in times that I get those no's, in times that I have to start over, in times where I feel like nothing's working out for me when it, of course, rains, it pours, it mm -hmm. floods. I have to think of that moment of just being grateful, like, there was a moment you could have died and you're living and yes, it's hard, but you keep pressing forward. 
So when you're in college and you're dancing, do, are you firm on the idea that you're going to graduate and do this full time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. You're, you're, like, yeah. Her face just lit up. Like it was Christmas morning. I, yes, I love dancing. I, I loved it so much. It was not until, so I had that like, yes, this is it for me. It was not until I was about to graduate my senior year and I was doing like these internships with companies and performing that I realized how hard and challenging it was to live in New York City on a dancer's salary. I, I, we need to change that, one. Two, dancers are rec not wrecking their body, but putting their body through so many challenges to do what they love and not being able to afford sometimes their apartment alone. Like you have to have a roommate and not all dancers, everything's different. But for the most part, once I realized that I was just like, you know what? I don't think that I need to, I want to go down that path of being a starving artist. It, it can be fulfilling, but it's not, I don't think it was my lot in life. And so I found, I met someone who was like a friend of mine who was like models make this, this, and this. And I was like, you're telling me that not moving my body, but using my body to take photos, not necessarily have live art is going to yield me more income to be able to live in the city and continue to create the life that I want and to continue to dance on the side. Um, and they were like, yes. And so I went down the modeling route. I went into I, a friend of a friend recommended me. I went into Wilhelmina and they gave me a contract. And I, it was one of those things like not that doesn't happen all the time. But I also reached out to like a ton of agencies, did my research and was like, hey, I'm this non-model trying to be a model and make money. And, it, it, and somebody said yes after really knocking down a lot of doors. Do you remember your first modeling job? Absolutely. Um, I actually went into fitness modeling because you one of the things when you're building a brand and building a business, one of the things that I didn't realize that I did at that age, but was great that I did was find a pocket, find an area and a niche that worked for me. So I didn't have this dream of becoming like Victoria's Secret supermodel because there was an aesthetic that went along with that, whether right or wrong, there is, you know, a way to get there. It's not impossible. But I knew that because I was a dancer, I was athletically built. There was a new a rise of athletic modeling, of sports modeling. And I was like, you know what? This is a way, this is an area that I could potentially make a mark in. It's something I could potentially flourish at. And so I went in to become a fitness model. And that was how I found my yes. It wasn't like I'm going to all of a sudden become some high fashion model or hands model or whatever, which I really want to be one day. <laughs> um, but my first client I went in, I remember going into my, it was my first casting, just got signed to an agency, went into the agency. There were legit 150 models in this room, stunning people. Like you walk in and I was super blonde at the time. I had big blonde curly afro and it was Under Armour. And I remember sitting in this meeting and I guess, again, it's like branding. Some of the things you think about, you don't think about when branding are so essential. I went into an area of fitness that I knew that I could do well in. I sat in that room and I said, what makes me different than these people sitting here. Everyone's super nice, most of them. Um, people are probably nervous. Everyone looks good. Everyone's a model. What's the outlier here? What is the one thing they don't expect from models? And it was to have a great personality. So I had sat there for an hour and a half and I was like, I'm going to go into this meeting and I'm going to be human. I'm going to introduce myself and talk to them like they're real people that's going to sit on the other side of the table. And I remember walking in into my first casting and I was like, hey, everybody, how are you? How are you doing today? And then I kind of made a joke. I was like, I don't know how you are handling looking at all these beautiful people and making a decision. So like, God bless you. And they started laughing. And it was that moment. And I will later find out they became my longest client I've ever had in my career. I probably worked for Under Armour for five, six years um, modeling with them. But it helped me live in New York financially. And I remember having a conversation maybe a year or two later with those same women who hired me. And they said, you were different. You walked in, you had a personality, you looked at us like we were human, and that's why we wanted to work with you. Everyone looked beautiful and was fit the type. We wanted to work with someone who was easy to work with and that we'd enjoy working with. And I think a lot of the time when people walk in for some sort of interview that they're like so scared and it's hard to put that fear to the side and that can also then mask a little bit of your personality so to be so open and just treating them like it's a normal conversation that's 
nine times out of 10, again, in your situation, especially going to give you a leg up, which is critical. All right, so we book Under Armour, and then we book other things, and now we're just modeling and dancing. And where? Yeah. So where are we so dancing? I was, I was dancing for the Knicks. Okay. I got, um, I went to a casting, an audition, 500 girls. I wanted to continue to dance, and while I was trained in, in concert dance, and I wasn't necessarily trained in like this commercial world, I went into the audition. I booked the job, and it was about 22 women on the team. It was amazing because I created friends once I was out of college. Created friends. Um, during college and, and out of college and lifelong friends from there. Uh, and then I was performing at Madison Square Garden, one of the biggest stages in the world, one of the best arenas in the world. And that too afforded me an opportunity to do what I love, continue to model because the games were at night, continue to model and shoot during the day and make some money. So I found that that was a hybrid. And during that time, I would dance for Beyonce. I danced with Pitbull. I danced with Wyclef. I would pick up these odd jobs, commercial dancing, doing what I loved. Wow. Yeah. What was it like to dance with Beyonce? It was, I'm speechless, <laughs> <laughs> given that is her song she wrote. But um, it, I've never, one of the things I remember being in a room with her, having a one-on-one -on -one with her and the choreographer, choreographer and watching Beyonce work is unlike anything I've ever seen. She came in the room in the morning at 8 a.m. and didn't leave. This is by herself. She didn't leave the rehearsal space until like 11 o'clock at night, rehearsing. And it wasn't like we stopped for lunch. It wasn't, she ate, but it was like, oh, someone brought in food. We, she ate and she got back. And it was like, quite, like she, I've never seen someone so hardworking in a personal space that up close in my life. It's really special. Very special. And it's like when someone you can see truly brings, like makes their passion, their purpose. And I'm sure you can relate to that in so many levels with what you're doing with the Love Squad. But it's like when you see that in someone, you see like the light in their eyes and it's so much different than someone that's just going through their day to day on yeah. autopilot. And I mean, she allowed me in that space with her as a young woman, like as a young girl trying to create my career. She could have been like, no, I just need the choreographer. She was like, no problem. Like. Allie can come in. It was just like she was human. It was that human approachable element of Beyonce that also gave me that wow factor of her. And that's something that I do try to remind and, and, and how I navigate Love Squad. It's that approachability. No matter how big we are, we need women to sit on a stage and give you those tools and concepts that you can and the how to most importantly, how to do some things um, so that we can help other women and, and, and other people in general find their path and continue to create their space. I think, and that's a really important note to hit on as well. It's like, how can I help build up other people and how can I offer what I know to enrich somebody else? It's never a going to be about, oh, well, if I offer this to someone, then they might do X, Y, Z. Well, that you're looking at it the wrong way then. It's like, all right, I'm willing and ready to help someone else, not because I'm necessarily looking for anything in return or scared of what they might do with that intel. I'm doing it because I know that I have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, That's so powerful. It's a gift. And it reminds me, I'm going to really break, like butcher this a little bit, but there's like some parable in the Bible where like God gives this guy some talents and he, instead of, Using the talents, he buries the talents, and it's when you bury the talent, you have you are talentless. And then he gives other talents to another per another person, another guy, and he uses those talents. And from using those talents, he gains greater talents. So his talents only multiply, and he creates a life for himself. And I think that that is the reality. Helping others, the art of helping others, is that a true art? And the more you help others and get information out there, the more your talents will increase. The more you know opportunity sets you get from that. So let's talk about adding to the talent roster for you then, <laughs> because you're modeling and you're dancing with the Knicks. And then when does fitness become an even bigger part of your life? It's the moment that everything gets hard. It's, <laughs> it was the moment where at this time, a part of what I was doing, I kept my night job, not necessarily at CVS, but I also did bottle waitressing in New York City. I, I kept the night hustle. It also, it con continued like outside of modeling and then dancing for the Knicks. I was about a waitress. I was able to kind of like stack my paper and make sure I was living a comfortable life to continue to pursue the things I loved. But it came to a point in my life where you can no longer, and I'm sure some people can identify that are listening. It, you get to a point in your life and you're like, why am I doing this? And you no longer have an answer. And if you don't, you can't answer the questions of why and how when it comes to what you're doing in life and who you are, that's a moment you got to stop. So I had to make the decision where I stopped dancing for the Knicks. I had to make the decision where I stopped bottle waitressing. 
And it was a moment where I wasn't doing anything. I was still modeling, but as you know, modeling seasonal. So there were weeks where I'd have one casting, some that I'd have none, you know? So it was one of those moments where I had a lot of time on my hands. I was confused on what I wanted in life, who I was. And there's a difference between being busy and being productive. And I knew that. And I had to take a moment where I was saying, there's no longer, this isn't the season to continue to be busy. I need to produce. I need to be productive. And the only way to do that is to sit still for a moment, be sad, <laughs> um, struggle a little bit in terms of asking myself these questions that were super answerless. And I, I didn't have the answer. So I, I'm all about the how-to. I got three books around three people that I looked up to that I ultimately wanted to model my career after. I read their books. I read articles. I sat home a lot. I looked up a lot of information at that time. Podcasts were just coming in, but not to the extent they are now. But I listened to a lot of speeches, a lot of TED Talks, and I ended up getting into yoga. I started praying a lot. And during the, this, I don't necessarily meditate. I pray. And during my prayers, I, was, I started wanting to move a little bit. So I started going to hot yoga. And it was a time of stillness, a time of movement and finding that stillness internally that I figured out, wait a minute, there's something here. I love this. So I started running with a friend and through running, I was just like, I love moving my body in a different way. How can I do this? And I was, ho I was still hosting. I was still putting myself out there. I was taking, that was when I started taking hosting classes. It was getting, being still, but I was like, I want to do on camera work. I want to have a voice. I want to, I want to magnify. I want to be on a bigger platform. And I created a reel that was really janky and sent it to everyone. It was like, I will host your kids' birthday parties. I will. <laughs> and this is all these things would come to me while I was doing yoga, while I was running. And I was just like, I got to do things for free to get something for money. And I don't have this skill set yet. I can practice all day, but doing it for real is doing it for real is experience. And it was a friend who said, they're looking to Brooklyn Nets move to Brooklyn. You were just in the NBA. You stopped dancing for the Knicks. You know how this works. They're looking to fill a spot because the girl that's currently doing it, their first season, wants to change. And she's like, I'm going to move your resume and reel along to our senior vice president of entertainment. And I was like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, sure. Like, I could do that. Absolutely terrified. <laughs> she sent it along and they called me in for a meeting and they were like, okay, great. We want to offer you the job. And I was like, well, no, 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 no. Like, I don't have any experience in this. They're like, yeah, it's okay. You know how the NBA works. You've done your research. You're, you have a great personality. Let's give it a go. It's only like a half a season left. Let's bring you in. And I went from speaking to zero people to speaking to 18,000 people at Barclays Center. And it was because, and I really, it was because four months of just being by myself, of being productive, of getting the word out, of figuring out, answering those questions of what I want to do, taking those hosting classes, finding that aha moment after my first hosting class and saying like, oh, no, 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 this is it. This is what I'm meant to, this is what I'm born to do. And I know it wasn't the only thing, but it was one of those things that I was like, I have to pursue this to make sure. And I encourage anyone that in this moment of just being busy, I'm not telling anyone to quit their nine to five, you gotta pay your bills. What I am saying is taking moment to scale back on going out, scale back on doing the odd jobs, scale back on just doing things because you just said yes. And saying no to a lot of things and saying no to yourself, sitting home, and finding that moment of stillness or those moments of stillness, maybe through yoga, maybe through fitness. And it was like fitness that brought me to. First follow-up question. What are the three books? Oh, so it was Ryan Seacrest. Cause I was like, Ryan Seacrest is. Post extraordinaire. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I read his book. I read, pa um, I always Padma Lashkmi yep. book because she was a TV host from a model. So, Ryan was a host. I wanted to be a host. Padma was a model turned TV host. She did cooking more so, like food was her lane. And then, of course, Oprah. And I, I, knew, like, I knew Oprah. You knew was Oprah coming. was in there. Like everyone <laughs> should read everything about Oprah. And it was one of those things where I was like, this is the hybrid of everything that I want to do or want to be. So, and I remember my boyfriend, who is very pivotal in my story. You, I always say, you have to find an Andrew. There's this thing of like, you. I don't know. I read a book and the. Top the chapter was find your Andrew. And I was like, oh, I found mine. <laughs> um, but it was someone who changed th that person's life. But find your Andrew is truly a part of my story. Find that person that's going to give it to you real, give it to you right and not back down. And he he's that person still in my life. And he was like, you got to stop doing what you're doing. It's OK not to make money right now. It's OK to not have an answer when your friends say, so what are you up to? It's OK to say nothing that you're figuring it out. It's OK. Um, so yeah, I found my Andrew in that where he was just like, 
you th- this isn't the first you're not the first person to be lost read a book on someone who's doing what you want to do mm-hmm. when did you guys meet um we met i think it was uh, me when i first started dancing for the knicks we met we met in a club at, i get that because people are just like how did you meet i say in the club let me keep it real we met at a club <laughs> and that's how funny enough that's how my mom and dad met Really? Yeah. Huh. I know. You knew it was okay. <laughs> it was fine. They're good. From the club. Yeah. So we met <laughs> in the club and yeah, we've been slumming it ever since. Okay. Then the second follow-up question is talk to me about that feeling you got when you walked out on the court for the first time, because I'm sure with a microphone in your hand, it's very different than when you were dancing with the Knicks. So dancing from the Knicks, I was top boss. I was like, you walk out, you have the comfort level of being with like 16 other women. In my mind, everyone's just, in all of our minds, everyone's just watching us. But like, if you miss the step, you can follow someone else. But when you're on the court, when you're alone, you're truly alone. I walked out and honestly, it was the worst ever. (laughs) It was probably the worst hosting anyone has ever done. Um, but I remember having an earpiece in and someone saying, you're going in 10, you're going in five and four. And I walked out on that court and I was terrified, extremely scared, but I knew I had to do it. And of course, Andrew's advice right before I went on, he had texted me, this is the worst. I don't, and this could be good or bad. It was great to hear. This is the worst you're ever going to do. That's okay. And I was like, okay, this is going to suck. I'm going to be bad. And that's okay. Because I'd never done it before. Mm -hmm. And obviously the first times you do anything, it's your worst time. Most times it's your worst time and it can only grow from there. And that's what you want. Truly. You want to come in doing anything average at best so that your story is like, I was the comeback kid. I did. Okay. So I did absolutely terrible and I was terrified and I was reading this paper. The paper was covering my face, but my shoes were cute and my outfit was nice. Um, and my hair was laid. So I will say that made me feel better about the pictures. Not necessarily the video. <laughs> the pictures looked great. I looked fabulous, Stuart. You got to find the upside. In it. My, wrists are, my wrists are pretty today. It's I don't fine. know. I mean, this know? morning I walked out of the house and I opened my AirPods case and one of the AirPods was missing. And in my head, I was like, it's been three years and I haven't lost an AirPod. So, I mean, let's find upside. Upside. Maybe it's time for me to pay my dues. $79 single AirPod replacement fee. I Googled like- that real quick. Okay, so you're hosting. Yes. And things get better because they have to. They do. They they have to. Things get better. I practice a skill. I fall in love with it even more. The Brooklyn Nets couldn't give them more of a shout out. Afforded me the comfort without being breathing down my neck in terms of every time I'd come off the court, they were like, great job, good job. Like they, they build me up. They allowed me space to build my confidence in something that I had never done. And it was unique and it's still unique because I still do it to this day. I'm one person in New York City that does that. I own a court. I own an arena. I'm the only woman on that court. I walk out with heels every single time and I speak to the arena. I do in-game hits, live hits every time out, whether it's marketing plug, interviewing someone, interviewing a coach, interviewing a player, interviewing a celebrity, or just doing a fun game with some of the fans that are happening, that that's happening. And it's just like, it gave me experience and it put me in positions to get jobs. People are like, oh, Allie does that here. Who's that girl? Let me hire her for this. Or let's find out more about her. I offered your name to someone the other day who asked me to do a hosting job that I couldn't do. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it after. Thanks for the plug. (laughs) Thanks for the plug. But yeah, seriously, it's like, it's the same thing like with podcasting or like with moderating panels like you do it once and someone's like well this person does this thing so maybe they can do this thing for our thing that we need to do you know so to your testament of of do it once and get it again yeah and you might have to do it for free and that's okay yeah Yeah. I remember when I sat down with Gunnar Peterson he said he said never do something for free and I said I asked him well what about when someone asks that of you he's like well then ask yourself a beyond money, what are you gaining from this opportunity? Because it's not always like someone's going to hand you a stack of hundos and be like, thank Thank you you so much, much. but who do you get to meet from this opportunity? What do you get to do? Like, what do you gain? What do you learn? Think about it that way before you think all money. And that's that's exactly how I weigh options to this day. When when I mentioned earlier about making a decision, in making decisions, the upside is either um, a capital gain where you're saying like, I'm going to make some income from this. This is justifiable. Or it's a platform game where it's like, I'm going to get exposure to new people. I'm going to get to practice my craft. I'm going to get more experience. I'm going to like, you're able to leverage this in two ways, financial gain 
or platform gain, gain, and that is really important. So nothing is necessarily free because you're getting that platform. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to Four Sigmatic, a wellness company that mixes shrooms and adaptogens with everything from coffee to protein powder and edible skincare. Seriously. Sounds a little wacky, but once you try their products, it'll be hard to remember life without them. Personally, I am hooked, hooked, hooked on their peanut butter protein and also their mushroom ground coffee with lion's mane. I poured myself a cup this morning. I had a really peaceful walk around my neighborhood while listening to a podcast from Alex L. If you haven't heard of her before, I definitely encourage you to check her out. I'll put a link to that episode that I was checking out in the show notes. Anyway, the lion's mane coffee, it's got chaga mushrooms in there, which support overall wellness in your immune system. And I just adore how it helps me think and feel productive without the jitters or crash. On the lion's mane note, it can be your brain's bestie, supporting focus and productivity and creativity during even the busiest days. And because their mushroom coffee is certified organic, GMO-free, vegan, gluten-free, and Whole30 approved, it fits into everyone's lifestyle. By the way, also important to note, I can guarantee that it tastes just like regular coffee and not at all like mushrooms. Of course, they have a special offer for the Hurdle podcast audience. Receive 15% off. Head on over to foursigmatic.com slash hurdle or use the code hurdle at checkout to receive 15% off today. Again, that's foursigmatic.com slash hurdle, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash hurdle to receive 15% off your order today. You are hosting for the Nets and it's going really well. When does Peloton come into the picture? So hosting for the Nets, what ends up happening first was I started getting into the Instagram game and was like, you know what? I want to continue to brand myself as fitness model. And I would, I remember doing a shoot, doing some Adidas, wearing some Adidas. I was like, I want to play the angle of Adidas. I've never worked with them in any of my modeling jobs and I'd like to get in with them. So I got a guy to take some photos of me and Adidas, posted them, Adidas reached out. And they had it kind of was a trifecta at this point. Adidas reached out in terms of we want to you to build some content. I had created Love Squad in order to be a great host. As I mentioned, I wanted to make sure that I was expanding my vocabulary and gaining writing skills. So I started writing about fitness, writing about my yoga sessions, writing about running, writing about, you know, doing waking up early, getting these things done, being a boss at that moment or in that time. And it was then that they hired me for a campaign. Their office in Germany at that point had wanted, looked for a host in New York City, a, a woman, and they hired me for a soccer event to host. And then on top of that, they reached out for me to do some content. They started out what I was doing on lovesquad.com, asked me to do content for Adidas. And so I started creating content for them. So it was one of those things where I shot their campaign in Miami shortly after, created some content for their California team and hosted an event for their Germany team in New York. And we had that conversation of like, we want you to be an ambassador, a global ambassador for, for us. It all ended up working out where I was the perfect, one of the perfect persons to represent the brand globally. And it was from there that I met Robin Arzan. And Robin and I became fast friends, very close friends to this day. And she saw what I was doing with Love Squad. And we were, I was hosting, co-hosting an Adidas event in the in the Hamptons. And I had invited her. She was on the list of like invites because we each ambassador, she was a global ambassador at the time, will get these one-off events. And so she was like sitting next to me on dinner and she was just like, you have to do Peloton. And I was like, oh, nope, I'm good, girl. I'm going to take these shots and dance. <laughs> and like <laughs> we were having like a party at that point. And she was like, no, 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 no. What you're doing with Love Squad and, and how you're empowering the community and how you are athletic in terms of you run, you can host, you have on-camera skills, you're athletic, and you're empowering the community. People need to hear about Love Squad and what you're doing. And Peloton's a platform for that. And I was like, mm, I'm good. Don't want to cycle. Sincerely, thank you, but no thank you. And of course, if anyone knows Robin... <laughs> she doesn't really take no for an answer. <laughs> Very persistent. So get back to New York, going to one of, uh, I was fit modeling at the time for Victoria's Secret, going to my, my job and I get a text from 
someone at Peloton was like, great, we have you for an audition. <laughs> we have you set up for an audition like next week. We want to meet you before. And I was like, wow. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks, my girl. That no did not really happen. So I was like, you know what? Why not? I know that I know in life you get a, your career or, or finding out what you want to do in life comes through two ways. Either you know it since you're born and no one can deviate. From, no one. Um, you don't deviate from that plan or someone tells you what you're good at and what you should be doing. And so I trusted the instinct and I trusted her and more so and said, you know what? She's my friend. I do trust her. And I went in for the meeting, went in for the audition, got on that bike, was not a cyclist, was not a fitness instructor. Now, mind you, I was running and taking some fun yoga, hot yoga classes. And that was it. And of course I took dance and I was a dancer, but I was not teaching anyone anything and nor did I want to. But I got on that bike and I realized in that moment or shortly after that moment, there were four cameras, there was a producer downstairs, it was live, it was broadcasted to thousands of people at that time. And I was like, wait a minute, you're telling me I can empower, I can work out and I can do things where there are cameras involved. Such That's a multitasking life. option. Yes, and I end up realizing the opportunity set and what they were offering, and I said yes to it. And I was like, okay, I need an assistant now because I'm not giving up anything. I'm doing Love Squad, I'm hosting for the Nets, I'm keeping Peloton, and I'm gonna be a Adidas Global Ambassador continuously. And that's kind of how it all came together. One of the things I will say before your next question is I get this often, what do all those things have in common? One of the things that I've always wanted to do was be in the limelight, hence being a dancer. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. If that if you are that person, own it. I am always want to be front and center. I love on-camera work. I love being in front of the camera, and I love speaking. Every one of those things, whether it's an Adidas Global Ambassador, I moderate panels, I'm in campaigns, I'm talking about my story of how fitness has influenced and changed me. Peloton instructor, I'm empowering real time through fitness while you're on the bike. I get to say the things that are really truly inspirational to thousands of people. Nets, live on camera, about 18,000 people. You can't take that back. Love Squad, panel discussions around empowerment, building businesses, things, giving, offering how-tos. All of those things have those things in common. Live on camera encouragement. I love it. Where do you gain your inspiration from when you're inspiring so many other people? It's really important that you listen to other people's journeys. So you cannot, this is why I say, sit down with people, ask them, not only ask them for help, but ask them what you can do for them. So whenever you're feeling in the mo those moments of feedback, when I have those biannual feedback sessions that I have with internal and externally, um, personally and professionally, I sit down with those people and I learn about their stories. I ask them for advice. I take their advice. And then I'm truly inspired by them. And so in those times where it gets tough, I'm overwhelmed, I'm ran down, I'm tired. I remember those words of wisdom, just like you quoted. You, you quote someone that has truly touched you because they've afforded you time. And that's really important. So when I, when I think of how I'm inspired, I do listen to a lot of um, podcasts. I do listen to a lot of sermons. So Stephen Furtick is a pastor of Elevation Church. And I would say at this point in my life, he has been outside of Andrew, my boyfriend, has been the most influential voice, and he doesn't know this, <laughs> um, influ influential voice in my head when it comes to inspiring people. He just, he gets it. He gets it, he's truly blessed by God. He gets it, and, and whenever I'm down, whenever I'm up, I listen to him. He reminds me of what God has done for me. He reminds me of what God is doing, how God is moving in my life. And one of the things I learned is, it's not always, uh, how do you say, fun or mm, welcoming to maybe talk about religion or spirituality, but I think it's my lot in life is that we get so caught up in what someone should look like or what a religious person might sound like or, I mean, what someone with curly hair acts like or what a black person should do or what a white person, we get so caught up in these stereotypes and it's important that we break those stereotypes down. And so, yeah, I'm religious and yeah, I believe in God and some of the things that we hear aren't truly what it looks like to be a religious person. Those are just stigmas. Those are just <laughs> stereotypes. So I think that it's important that I, that's a part of my journey and a part of my conversation because 
Yeah, I think we get caught up in what these people look like or what they believe and how they hate us or hate them. Like, that's not who I am. I'm inclusive. I mean, parallel that to the social media life. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the highlight reel that is Instagram, Facebook, whatever, wherever you're consuming that kind of content. It's you see that and it's like, this is how I should be or how I should yeah. act or what I should do. Like, if I'm not doing this much running or if I'm not doing this much whatever it is, then you have this inferiority complex that you're messing something up. But the beauty is, is that you get to define every day who it is that you are. And by offering your authentic self to the world, like there's only one you. So then what? Like if you're trying, if you're spending all your time trying to be somebody else or trying to fit some type of mold that you're perceiving from somebody else, like you're wasting your time. And also getting caught up and being nervous to be who you are. Mm. Because I know I did deal with the fear of like, mm, should I tell people that I believe in God? Did I even say Jesus is the name? And it's like at the end of the day, people are going to love me and some people aren't going to love me. And they're going to love me whether I am myself or not. It's just that that's just the nature of life. And I truly encourage anyone who's listening, own all areas of you. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I will ever be because I subscribe to being real beyond being perfect. I'm not saying I'm the perfect this or that. I'm not the perfect Peloton instructor, just like I'm not the perfect like Christian. Like I'm not any the perfect anything. I'm not the perfect girlfriend. Like, mm-hmm. However, I'm okay with being basic sometimes. I am. And I'm okay with bossing up in other times. And I think that if you're ever struggling with not only just what it should look like, but struggling with exposing who you are completely, I really encourage you to think about it and and, and do it. Take a risk on yourself because no one else is. I think also it's like that important saying that says if you try to be a leader or a person for everyone, then you're a leader or a person for no one. No one. For no one. Not at all. No bueno. Okay. So... How do you then, when you're taking so much time to give back to your partner, to Peloton, to the hosting, to everything, you're constantly giving and giving and giving, how do you give back to you? What do you do for you? Oh, I'm glad you didn't ask me what's self-care. <laughs> no. what, do Never, you do? what do you just do something for you? For you? Yeah. Um, what do I do for me? I think all of those things are pretty selfish. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be super real and, and transparent. I think that everything that I do is selfish. And I'm okay with admitting that. I just talk about being your whole self. I think when you can admit who you are and what you're doing and why you're doing it, it, you get yourself to, people love you more in terms of they feel safe. (laughs) They love you more because they feel safe with you because they're like, she's not hiding. She's not living in this like false reality. Um, So for me, all of those things are for me. I do these things because I love them. They feed me. They are a part of who I am since I was a kid. Um, They afford me the best opportunity set to bring a family into this world, to live a comfortable life. I'm I'm truly going to be honest in that. And I think so when I think of it, what am I doing for me? I'm doing those things for me. I'm doing those things because if I didn't do those things, I'd be doing things that were for everyone else. And right now when you're on the bike or obviously on Instagram, you have a, a great following there. When you take a second and step back. The people that follow you, they see who you are from that lens. They see this businesswoman and a Peloton instructor and a Brooklyn Nets host and all the things. But when you look in the mirror, what is it that you see? I see a woman who's ready to change the world. And I don't have all the answers on how to do that. But I know one of the things that I speak about is bossing up, creating a standard, establishing a tone. You can walk in any room and change the tone, whether for good or for bad. You can create a standard. No need to worry about the rules when you're setting standards. And it's one of those things where I truly subscribe to that personally. I truly believe in the good, the bad, the unknown about myself. Um, listening to feedback from people, implementing those those things. But when I look in the mirror, I do see myself as a game changer. I do see myself as someone who is going to blaze a trail of redefining and recreating what an entrepreneur looks like, what a woman of this this century looks like, um, and ha- what it means to really inspire the next generation. Again, not don't have all the answers, but that's what I that's who I see myself as when I look in the mirror. Not easy comes with a lot of responsibility, um, but I don't choose easy, so I'm cool. On the days where you wake up and maybe you've gotten like a no or someone has like really knocked you down, what do you do or what have you changed to be able to still see that person in the mirror? Because I think that's what a lot of people struggle with, right? It's like that one rejection, that one problem, that one person that makes them feel lesser than or without. What do you tell that person who feels without at that moment? So, yeah, it's not always like cotton candy drum whatever is it, cotton candy, raindrops (laughs) and donuts in my uh, life. 
on those moments that I am sad and that when I do look in the mirror and I can't find that girl, I can't find that woman, I can't find that person, I allow myself to just be. I know that sounds so crazy, but I always say feel all the feels. So if you want to cry, cry. And I do cry. I cry a lot, actually. Um, I don't cry because I'm always sad, but I cry because I need to get it out. I don't want to hold it in. I don't want to like pretend. That's also a form of pretending. Like if I keep practicing this and preaching, like be your full self, like be who you are. It's like, I have to be that person too. And, and some days when I feel lost and I definitely want to give up a lot of times, um, I feel that way. I, I get into that mood and allow myself to feel that way. I, and I also reach out to friends. Like I need to vent. I'll send a voice note quick to somebody like, here's a vent, here's a rant. Feel free to turn it off at any point, but I need to get this out. Obviously someone that I feel safe with or that I built a relationship with, but I tell all, I tell anyone around me, feel all the feels. Yeah. Allow yourself. I, you can't, the worst advice is when someone says, you should just feel confident. You should just be this. I'm like, if I could be, if I could feel that, I would. Yeah. So it's like, I can't push myself to a point to feel something or be something that I'm not ready to feel or be. So sometimes, yeah, I'm going to get out of the slump maybe in a day. Sometimes it's going to take me a month. Sometimes I'm going to, sometimes, I mean, this year, earlier this year, I dealt with, it was month of February, six weeks, I would say February into March, anxiety AF. I could not get myself together. Imagine running a business, having two women, like two employees. Uh, so what should we be doing? I'm like, honestly, I can't even answer. I don't know. I didn't brush my teeth today. I can't roll out of bed right now. Like, and then have to do that where, yeah, I do push through when it's on Peloton. But even in that, when I'm on that bike, I'm like, anybody in this room suffering right now, please put your hand up because I'm going to raise my hand. I want you to know that. And there is, it breaks down that wall. Let's be real about it. I, I don't have the, again, I don't have the answer. Is there going to be days I feel strong and powerful? And there's going to be days where I'm just like, okay, you are strong and powerful, just not right now. You don't feel that way. So I encourage myself to feel the feels. I don't push myself to be something or to feel something that I don't. And I do get a little antsy when I do have those bouts of like anxiety or mild depression or sadness. Um, I do get a little antsy like, and I do tell myself, I'm like, well, that person, when you get on Instagram, you're like, well, that person's always doing well. And this person has everything going for them. And they're so skinny and pretty and their hair is great. And they know all the right things to say. And then I like stop. And one of the things you said earlier, you were like, you should do this. I get in my head, you should do this, you should do this. And I always tell myself, stop shooting on yourself. Mm. Girl, stop. Stop it. Stop it. So yeah, it's not, I don't, again, don't have the answer for it. It's not a pretty like, read this book and you're going to say this, say this mantra and you're going to be fine. Look in the mirror and spin around three times. I don't have the answer, but what I do allow myself to do is take the time that I need to be in the place that I need to be at that. And you mentioned the worst piece of advice, but when you look back on your career so far in this like mini empire, let's call it. Oh, that's a, serious, a compliment. Let's call it an empire. Wow. This empire that you are building. Boss. What right. would you say has been one of the best pieces of advice that someone has offered you? So many. Oh my gosh. I could. I think that one of the things I remind myself, and I, I guess I'm, I'm having like a brain free, freeze on like the best advice that I have ever gotten because I feel like I've gotten, gotten so many great things. <laughs> but one of the things I do remind myself of is that most times no one knows what they're doing. Yeah. That makes me feel better about it. Um, in a room where decisions or conversations are being had, no one knows what they're doing. Running a business, no one knows really what they're doing. Title, sweet, C-suite people, C-suite level, they don't know what they're doing. Like even the most per expert of them of all don't always know what they're doing right. so it makes me feel good that i don't have to know what i'm doing and someone had to be the first to set the president anyway right i hate i hate just this idea that like well this is the industry standard for this or this is how much someone should be paying you to do x or z or this is how you should act in this situation like no <laughs> so many times I'm just like, well, this is where I'm at. So if you want to work together, if you want to do this, if you want X or Z, this is where I'm coming from. So we can either meet there or meet in the middle. But if you don't want to like take my fork in the road, then like take yours and find somebody else. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that's, I think that's a great approach. I also think like in that moment of just realizing that no one knows what they're doing, it's really important that you articulate why. So one of the things that I realized like going to a lot of conferences, speaking on a lot of panels and building a business is people do it and they always say, oh, cause I love it. It's not a reason. It's not the reason why. 
the reason why is deeper than that. You can love a lot of things. So I think that when you're asking yes for more money, setting precedence, when you are, um, when you realize that no one has the answers, if you're able to problem solve, offer a solve, and say that this is what you think should be happening, you need to articulate why. And that you don't have to have that answer right away. So what is it that you're not doing right now that you want to do? So I'm not running for president. I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> not vote, just yet. Vote Love 2020. Um, <laughs> throw my hat in the ring now. Oh, I came on your podcast to announce my presidency. <laughs> you imagine? That would Hurdle be awesome. is now a platform. That just should be national <laughs> yes. news. That would be awesome. <laughs> so there's so many things, and I have to. I really do have to reel myself in sometimes. I got to like wrangle my my imagination in sometimes. Uh, one of the things that I really want to do is I do want to write a book. So I have started. Um, but again, asking myself the why is really important. So I know that I want to do this. So I have started the process and it's going well and there's interest and it's awesome. And it's helping me to refine what I believe and, are, and I'm articulating it better. So it is helping. But I don't know exactly why I'm doing it just yet outside of, oh, I love it and I could help people. There has to be a deeper why. Mm -hmm. So I am doing that and again so working out the why so when it is or if it does get published there's a story of like here's why i really did this right um yeah there i mean there's so many things that i really want to do at this point yes i want to have a podcast i'm working on that but it's like a mini mini podcast nothing like really amazing that you're doing so congratulations oh, by the way thank on her you. this is exceptional thanks for having oh, me oh thank you um i should have said that sooner so <laughs> we just started off you're like, we'll just start all over right now yes um, so I do want to do book and podcast, but I think right now my focus is I'm in that feedback session that I talk about. I'm in that stage of getting advice, um, taking my brand to another level personally, professionally, and with Love Squad. So I've been in this feedback session where I'm asking people for advice and like, how do you see me? How do you see my brand? What am I doing? What am I not doing? Because I don't know the answer to that yet outside of, yes, everyone wants a book. Everyone wants a podcast. And not that saying everyone shouldn't get what they want. Um, I just got to be able to answer the why a little bit more. In order to do that, I need more information that I, outside of my own head. It's really special that you understand the value of asking for that. Like, Thank you. really special. Okay, so the last question I ask on the pod every time, if you had the opportunity right now to offer the alley post-accident in that hurdle moment, a little piece of advice when she's going through that tough time, looking back on it now, Something maybe you wish you knew then, or maybe, you know, as the years have gone on, you offer her something when she's going through those tough times. What do you tell her? This might sound, I don't even want to judge how it's going to sound. I wouldn't tell her anything because her mindset was way better off than sometimes my mindset is right now, knowing all the things I know. I think sometimes I we get into a, this thing of like, we should have done this sooner or faster. And homegirl at nine years old, like, I don't know who that was sometimes. Cause, and I know that was me, but she was boss. And I say that because she was fearless. She relied on her own intuition. She trusted herself, her ability. And it really has carried me to the point that I am now. So I wouldn't mess, not necessarily mess that up. I wouldn't tamper with that. And I think that I try to get back to that space a lot. I don't, I'm not always successful, um, but there are moments that I am. I get back to that, trusting my gut, trusting that, that inner boss, trusting that fearlessness, um, that without consequences, I'm going for it mentality that most times youth, the youth possess. And I think I, I possessed that at nine years old. And I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't tell her anything. Your story is really special, Allie. Oh, thanks, Emily. <laughs> thanks so much for having to hang out with me. Oh, my God. Thank you for, thanks for working this out because the schedule <laughs> is cray. And thanks for having me. I of truly course, appreciate it. Of course. Thank Please you. take a moment and leave a quick review by clicking the link or the description to this episode. We all face multiple hurdles in life. I want to hear about yours. Reach out to me at emily at hurdle.us. Connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Hurdle Podcast. Allie, where do they find you? How do they keep up with you? Give me all of the details. 
I am Ali Miss Love, M I S S, Ali Miss Love on Instagram. Follow Love Squad at Love Squad. Same on Twitter. Um, and of course, same at my website, AliLove.com and LoveSquad.com. <laughs> and on the bike. And on the bike. Oh, Ali Miss Love, if you are a Peloton rider, follow me. If you're not, <laughs> please download the app at this moment and really enjoy. If you don't enjoy me, I have so many colleagues that are exceptional that I stand shoulder to shoulder with, and I'm proud to represent the Peloton family. Well, I'm sure if they've gotten to this point in the episode, they must like you just a little bit. Oh, just thanks. a little. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.